0: Today, we're dipping into the world of Web3 with Sebastian Bonescu. Hey, how are you?
1: Hey, I'm doing great. How are you?
0: Excellent. Excellent. Well, Sebastian, or should I call you Sebi? Sebi is the CEO of a very interesting company. It's called Chainproof. And Chainproof is a company that is really trying to look at the lovely space of smart contracts from an insurance perspective. It's a company whose main goal is to cover against principal loss by providing best-in-class insurance for non-custodial smart contracts that is fully regulated and compliant. We'll be tweezing through all of those topics and how they relate to the Lovely world of blockchain and Web3. But before we get there, Sebi, tell me a little bit about yourself and
1: your career. Yeah, totally. So I guess my uh, my love for computers and networks started back in, um, I don't know, in the 90s uh, when I first discovered Microsoft Pay. so like uh, I I don't know I was I was visiting a friend and he had a computer and that was a big deal like no not a lot of people had computers back then and um, he he said like let me show you this this thing this is awesome and he showed me MS Paint how he drew like ovals and rectangles and all and then filled them with them with a click and I was hooked I was like I need a computer (laughs) It's so funny so, how
0: we all remember those like little moments, right? And uh, I remember yeah. when I was in grad school and I was in the computer lab of my college. And I looked over to the person next to me and they were, you know, on some website called Mosaic, if you remember Mosaic, right? Early yeah, browser. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is that? And they explained it to me. And once I learned about it, I was hooked. After that, I was a horrible, (laughs) horrible student. All I wanted to do was learn about what was happening with this new idea of an internet. So there you go. So yeah, so tell me a little bit Mm -hmm. more about what you've been working on.
1: Yeah, so like, just like to continue a bit, like after I um, finished high school, I decided I wanted to do computers, right? So I went to um, do my bachelor's in computer science and engineering. And during that period, I learned a lot of stuff about hardware, software. And one of the things that really um, interested me was security. So I, uh, I was studying back home in Romania. And I said, like, I, I want to see like how studying abroad is, you know, so I went for um, one short summer break abroad. And, um, it was really good. Like I said, okay, I want to, I want to do my, my master's abroad. Right. But that was easier said than done because like studying abroad is super expensive. So started applying for a bunch of scholarships. I was lucky enough to get one in security in the Netherlands. And, um, yeah, um, fast forward, I moved there, did my, uh, my master's and started working right after in, um uh, one of these big enterprises called Philips. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I quickly realized, okay, um, things are actually moving a bit slow here. So let me, let me do my PhD because I, I really liked academia at some point, right? And uh, I did this crazy thing where I thought like, okay, I'm young, I wanna travel. Let's move to another country, at this time Germany, and do my PhD. So um, that was something that I sort of, I, it was like much easier said than done. Mm. <laughs> um, but, but once I finished, um, I had still not learned my lesson that enterprises are not for me. And I went to <laughs> BMW. So like this, this um, it was sort of like a, a dream of everyone living in Munich, like, oh, you should work at BMW. So like I said, like, let's give it a try. Um, again, same problem as before. Things were moving way too slow for me. So I was lucky enough to get quant- contacted by QuantStamp, um, who is the mother company of Chainproof. And um, yeah, one of the founders contacted me and we started talking back in 2017. And at that point in time, remote work was not something that anyone would do easily, you know? Right. But I wanted to do it, you know, and, and I was discussing with them and we, we sort of figured it out. Um, so in 2018, I started um, working for Quantstamp remotely, you know, wow. like before the pandemic, right? Yeah, before the pandemic, working remotely for a crypto startup, leaving a secure enterprise job and joining a crypto startup in a bear market. Everyone just <laughs> called me like, Call me crazy. Like, really, like, people were just like, oh, my God. And people were telling me, like, "Uh, you can come back to BMW. Like, once you figure out, like, (laughs) the startup thing, you can come back. No problem. (laughs)
0: Yeah. No, that sounds, how should I say, the type of thing I've heard many, many times in Germany, where they're like, oh, Sebi's going to go try this crazy thing. We'll see how it goes. But it sounds like it actually works. You stayed there for a while, and now you're launching Chain Proof. Tell me about QuantStep and the relationship to the launch of ChainProof.
1: Totally. So yeah, joining QuantStap was definitely the best decision that I've uh, ever made uh, career-wise. It started like ChainProof actually started from the moment I joined. Like the point where uh, I joined, they told me like, you're going to you're going to figure out this insurance thing in, in Web3. You know, <laughs> I was like, okay, I have absolutely no idea about insurance, you know, but like, yeah, let's, let, why not? It sounds really challenging. So why not? Um, so we started building. So I, I joined Quantstamp as a Solidity developer and started building smart contracts that would um, enable peer-to-peer insurance on the blockchain for smart contract security risks. And we built that, and we were ready to launch it. And um, <laughs> our legal counsel told us, like, don't launch it. Uh, you don't have an insurance license. You don't wanna. You don't wanna upset regulators. You know. Right. So so we didn't launch it. Um, but then we said, like, hey, let's start reaching out to insurance companies. This was already 2019. Mm-hmm. We started reaching out to insurance companies. Um asking them like telling them like hey have you heard about defi it's this next big thing um mm-hmm. right now it has under a billion <laughs> in total value lock like at that point in time it was under a billion uh, total value lock. right but we know it's going to grow and it's going to grow a lot and and just trust us you know and, and insurance companies were laughing their ass off saying like okay um yeah leave me alone <laughs> right <laughs> you know? Like, um, I think at that point in time, insurance companies were really um, stuck on just using blockchain as a way to automate things in their processes, you know, right. like claims or or whatever. And they didn't want to hear about insuring anything yeah. <laughs> in the space, you know. So, like, we, we did that for quite a while. Like, we talked to so many insurance companies and reinsurance companies from 2019 to 2021. And we, know, we, we noticed that it's not going anywhere. So they were, not, they were not willing to put capacity behind this. And we said like, okay, let's just do it ourselves. So uh, we were lucky enough that on this journey, we actually met people at one insurance company called Sampo, mm-hmm. which is Japan's uh, second largest insurer who yeah. believed in us, right? They believed in us. They said like, hey, we trust these guys. They seem to know what they're talking about. And they invested in us. Right. And at the same time, we also were talking to people at Munich Re, which is the world's largest reinsurer. Mm-hmm. And they also like believed in us. And so i like, OK, if you guys get the license, we're going to reinsure you. Right. So we we really got down uh, and um, dug into the whole insurance uh, application thing. And we applied for a license in Bermuda. So we shopped around in many different jurisdictions uh, looking for the right place to open this. uh, And and due to their really progressive legislation in Bermuda, they have this digital asset um, business law, uh, which really is, uh, I would say, pro-digital assets. So we said, okay, this regulator seems like they know what they're talking about and we opened up shop there we worked a lot on the application and finally this year in may we received our uh insurance license so wow that's yeah that's pretty uh quite the story i would say well i mean
0: i love that you're doing this this idea of creating insurance for smart contracts is this part of a broader trend that we're seeing in kind of the blockchain and web3 space.
1: Totally, yeah. It's it's a huge, huge business. Uh, we actually have seen a lot of unregulated solutions popping up. Mm-hmm. Like soon after we were done implementing our first product, like first product that we wanted to to launch, uh, something called Nexus Mutual launched uh, back in twenty nineteen, I think. And and at the time when it started, it didn't really have so many uh, customers, but now. As the market leader, I think it has quite a quite a, a few um, a decent amount of total value lock, wow. and along with it, we've seen I think somewhere over twenty um, competitors, unregulated competitors, popping up over the years. So, I. I can name names, but like, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, it's
0: interesting. I know that in the broader insurance space, one of the things that we often talk about is regulation, regulatory practices. And, you know, tell me a little bit of the differences between being regulated and being unregulated. What does that actually mean?
1: So I think like with regulated insurance, um, the customer has a guarantee that we're not just gonna disappear off the face of the earth and we're accountable, right? Right. We're accountable and we're not doing things on our own terms, we're doing things on the regulators' terms, right? Mm-hmm. So like there's someone out there holding us accountable for the stuff that we're doing and not just uh yeah, letting us do whatever we want, you know. I think that's the most important thing. And then another thing which comes with this is the fact that. Um, we're basically not allowed to take crazy risks in terms of things that we're insuring, right? Uh, we're, we're really supposed to be pricing things very, very decently and not mm-hmm. uh, sort of uh, ripping our customers off. And um, yeah, I think an, another thing which is really important for institutions is that all of our customers and all of our funds need to be KYC'd. Right, like all of the customers, and 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 um, this is also important for our reinsurer and insurer partners. They cannot um, do any business with these unregulated insurance or decentralized insurance uh, solutions because anyone can pull money there. Right, like terrorists, oligarchs, you name it. Right, anyone can just pull their money, and that would mean that maybe these companies are somehow doing business together with these people who they're not supposed to be doing business with, right? So that's sort of like a showstopper. For um, big insurance and reinsurance companies, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I mean, Sebi, I find the space and the changes so amazing. And, you know, over the last couple of years, we've been obviously living through difficult times with the pandemic. But in the Web3 space, it's been a crazy <laughs> roller coaster ride, right? We've seen cryptocurrencies reach new heights and then crash back down and, you know, move, move all over the place. So we've seen tremendous development. In, in the utilization of blockchain in general i mean where are we right now what does the space look like
1: yeah actually what's happened i would say over the course of the pandemic is something that has happened a few times before in this space but at a lower magnitude you know like i think the first bull run and and bear markets were somewhere around 2013 right and then uh, there was another one uh, 2017 and then bear market started 2018, right? And I think in during the pandemic, what we saw was that many people were just stuck at home. Mm. They had extra cash lying around and this space seemed to be very attractive for especially for those kind of people, right? And then we saw a lot of retail coming in. Um, yeah, unfortunately, like there were some Events that led to sort of a crash right now. But I'm very, very confident that this is uh, temporary. And I think like there's always this kind of like uh, campaigns going around. One is like in the bear market, there's a lot of FUD, right? So fear, uncertainty, and doubt that mm-hmm. is being pushed over all news outlets, right? Like Uh, and and not just news outlets also social media and so on like everyone is like oh yeah this is not good and it's going to uh, go away and so on and I think like they're not seeing that this is not just like a sentiment thing there are people behind like developers behind these projects which are building regardless of the market uh, situation right And, and very very soon like I think even before this episode gets published we we're going to have the ethereum uh, proof of stake merge right Mm -hmm. where uh, the consensus protocol of ethereum uh, uh, basically goes from proof of work which is not environmentally friendly to proof of stake which is not only environmentally friendly but also gives ethereum so many other benefits right like um ether is going to be um deflationary so there's mm-hmm. going to be way less uh ETH, and also it enables like to some extent uh, some things that will allow it to scale right we're seeing a lot of like layer two solutions come mm-hmm. and i think like what i've seen at least like the the core developers of this blockchain have a very good roadmap roadmap of scaling so I do strongly believe that in a few years, we're going to see capabilities of blockchains that exceed current uh, financial, like fintech systems, right? Like everyone's comparing blockchain to number of transactions that Visa or MasterCard do, right? And think, right. I think we're going to get there. We're going to get there in a few years. So that's going to be exciting times. That is exciting.
0: And clearly that's kind of where you guys can play a role with the smart contracts. Tell me a little bit, Sebi, just so the audience can understand, how would your company specifically get involved with a player in this space? Who are your customers?
1: Yeah. So this, this uh, sort of, uh, sp- sp- not not spinoff, well, you could call it somehow a spin-off or like an incubated company, right? Which is Chainproof out of Quantstamp. Basically mm-hmm. the the customers of Chainproof would be customers of Quantstamp. And to sort of fully answer your question, the customer of Quantstamp are basically all of these crypto startups that want to launch,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: they don't want to do it like uh, YOLO. <laughs> they want to have a first, they, they want to have a third party check for bugs in their code. Right. Right. And, um, it it's become sort of like a, a community accepted thing that before you launch, you should have an audit, at least one audit, right. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen so many projects which were not audited that got hacked mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, it's just, I think it's very commonly accepted. So we are not like customers, come to us a lot you know like it's not that we need to run after uh, so many customers it's basically like at at some point during the bull market we actually needed to um select our customers because there were so many coming to ask for an audit so mm-hmm. um basically you have all these projects which want to launch they generally wait until very late to ask for an audit and then mm-hmm they're in a rush to launch. So um, many of these projects, they're, they're actually risky. Mm-hmm. And we can talk about, about these kind of things that, well, even if someone has an audit, it doesn't mean that they're secure because auditors cannot block them from uh, deploying something that has not been fixed, right? So mm-hmm. auditors can find bugs, but they're not able to fix the bugs for the developers. The developers need to do that themselves and then launch so chain proof basically is not going to be ensuring all of the customers of Quantstamp, but only a select few mm-hmm. which actually go the extra mile and fix everything and they're like uh basically uh, bulletproof you know?
0: right and those customers would be in a variety of
1: different business verticals yeah i think like our main focus um for the past few years have been what you've seen mainly in the market, right? So in in 2020, we had DeFi summer, right? Mm-hmm. Which, which, um, yeah, resulted in so, so much demand for DeFi audits. Mm-hmm. Last year, 2021, we saw starting in summer, I think like spring summer, we saw a lot of NFT projects. So we had like- I
0: was going to ask over... you about that. I'm based in Miami. Yeah. So I figured that uh, maybe you might have a lot of NFT projects going. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we,
1: we definitely had a ton of audits in that space as well. And, and that allowed us to see some kind of similarities, right? Between uh, things like DeFi and NFTs. Like both of them are smart contracts. So like there's definitely going to be similarities. And I think before DeFi summer, we actually had like a very wide range of even non-crypto native companies. Like mm-hmm. some of our customers uh, include also Siemens, which is this like super large German conglomerate, right? With 400,000 employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were like doing stuff with blockchain and, and needed some kind of security services. Mm-hmm. Toyota. Toyota uh, was doing something with mobility, right? and And we basically helped them there. Mitsubishi uh the government of dubai right we work with them as well to implement a blockchain-based solution there and and also we work with the world economic forum on stuff like cdbc you know mm-hmm. so, so like we really had a wide range um i think like before d5 Summer afterwards really concentrated into this kind of like financial uh focus you know mm-hmm. but yeah we're basically we can cover any any type of vertical
0: that's great. And what's the commercial relationship? How do you guys charge for what you do?
1: So um, for Chainproof, we basically charge a premium like an insurance company would do, right? So someone comes to us and say, we want, I don't know, $10 million in coverage for a deposit that we're going to make in uh, DeFi protocol, let's say Curve Finance, okay? and uh, based on the protocol based on the limit and also the 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 customers sort of parameters mm-hmm. we come up with a premium for a given period right and we say like okay we can offer you a premium for even like we can go as as low as a monthly premium mm-hmm. quarterly or yearly right and depending on the length, of course you get like a lower uh, rate if you go for a longer period, right? Mm-hmm. And that's that's basically how Chainproof works. It's really simple. Mm-hmm. And, and for Quantstamp, it's basically like, uh, depending on the size of the audit, mm-hmm. uh, lines of code and complexity of code and documentation and so on, we give them a quote as to how much effort uh, is needed there. And that's it. Also pretty simple.
0: Yeah, no, it's so critical, so needed for what we see in the marketplace. I mean, we've seen all these changes happen over the last couple of years, but certainly, Sebi, and we find ourselves in another big year of change. If you were to think forward in the future, what do you see on the horizon for this space? Is it going to kind of level out in some way? Or are we going to start to see any kind of smoothness in the waters, or is it going to continue to fluctuate?
1: I think it's gonna become more smooth, indeed, at yeah. some point. <laughs> uh, I think like until now, we always have like a very large wave of speculators that create this kind of FOMO and just get people on board without actually telling them like what this thing can do. It's more like of a short-term, short-term investment or something. And then these people leave, and when they leave, uh, it goes down, the market goes down. But I think people and institutions have started looking at uh, the space Mm -hmm. and once they enter and once crypto is going to be accepted as a means of payment, or it's going to have like very uh, clear in real life use, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, like, okay, if you have an NFT, you can get some kind of benefits, you can get into a club, you can get into a cinema, you can do something right. At those point, in those moments, you will you will see people not just dumping anymore, right? Once thing these kind of things have utility in the real world, they're not going to be dumped uh, mm. like like uh, we've seen in the past, right? They're gonna someone is going to buy them and use them, right? Like there's not always gonna always going to be people who want to do something with something that is provided by these things, like um, get get exclusive access to something or buy something who knows. Um, I think that maybe, hopefully, the next wave, the next bull market, is actually going to be the one where there's not going to be a spectacular fall again. You know, like I think, um, yeah, I'm not sure how which wave this would be, but like I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the the community has matured enough, and we have like protocols that are working and institutions that are integrating this, so. We're, we're
0: getting there for sure. Yeah. So Sebi, I just want to make sure I understand it fully. So basically the way you guys would work is first thing would happen is anybody that had any type of a project, you would do an audit of that project, yep. essentially. Indeed. And then yeah. from that audit, you would then be able to assess what the level of insurance was needed and whether it was insurable full stop.
1: Indeed.
0: Yeah. And then you would move forward from there. And these companies that you mentioned, the group in Japan and the group in Germany are both essentially uh, supporters or backers of that solution ultimately?
1: Yes, yes.
0: That's an amazing solution. I mean, I think it's such a valuable step forward just to know that products like Chainproof are in the marketplace. And it really does kind of speak to the continued evolution of of everything really that is blockchain based and very distributed in nature. Certainly a a lot of verticals can be impacted from this. You know, Sebi, if somebody wanted to learn more about what you and the Chainproof team were doing, where's the best place to find you?
1: Best place to find us is uh, on Twitter, I would say. So I like there's both my handle, personal handle, the Chainproof handle, and the Quantstam handle. I think like all of those provide really good sources of information.
0: Excellent. Well, we have been speaking with Sebi Banescu. He is the CEO of Chainproof, which is a company whose main goal is to cover against principal loss by providing the best-in-class insurance for non-custodial smart contracts that is fully regulated and compliant. There are unregulated solutions out in the marketplace, but these guys have over the last several years, put together a regulated, compliant solution, really for the fast-growing space of Web3. So imagine a world where things like cryptocurrencies are like the start of something that's going to evolve into a truly distributed economy, and really insurance is critical for this thing to work properly and scale. Sebi, thank you so much for being on the show today, and we look forward to having you back in the future.
1: Thank you so much, Ben. Cheers. It was awesome. Cheers. Have a great one.